teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Welcome on into the Baseline Podcast. We have, uh, I've actually recorded, this is the second week episode I've recorded tonight. Um, it's probably not going to come out for another day or two, but we still will be at the start of the Australian NBL season. Got my guy Michael Huben from the Pick and Roll. Um, good to have you on, Mike, to chat some Australian NBL with a, another new season rolling around. How are you going tonight? Yeah, I'm going well. Thanks, Stevie. I'd like to consider myself a recurring guest at this point. So yep. it's nice to, to be able to jump back on and, and talk some NBL hoops as always. Yep, yep, yep. I think this is your third, actually, wow. Yeah, this is your third episode. Um, before, there have been a few people that had had two. You have three out of 102. So you've been on 3% of the time. Um, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'll have to keep, the, um, I'll have to keep wanting, uh, one-upping whoever else you keep getting on. Um, you know, got to keep uh, boosting my, my platform you know, through, through baseline. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. No, it's good. Um, yeah, definitely good to, to get you on. And I think last time we, yeah, we chatted, we, um, we obviously had, we're talking boomers and stuff. So, yeah, good to change it up and, and continue to have uh, my Australian friends on the pod to talk about NBA or NBL or whatever it is. And, We've actually just seen the first game of the season, um, and when the pod comes out, people would have seen the result. Um, Jack Jumper's getting a win over the Bullets. We didn't um, watch enough of the game to comment on it, but the season's underway, and then we've got another game tonight. We're actually doing, in terms of the pod tonight, we're doing something different. Um, we're just going to chat on some interesting points on the season, rather than just doing the standard season preview. feel like, Mike and I felt like there were about a 1,000 season previews um where people were basically breaking down every team and talking on most players so we just thought we'd we'd run through some interesting storylines for the season and um yeah so we're just gonna jump right in um i think this has been a pretty talked about thing around the league or sort of talked about um uh storyline around the league is the next star program obviously started with the hiss and roar a few years ago the players each year have definitely lived up to their billing. Um, you know, talking RJ Hampton, LaMelo Ball, Josh Giddy, you know, this this type of player. And then this year, um, we may still see lottery picks, but I feel like there's four, six, eight, ten dudes with NBA potential and you know there's definitely some going to get drafted. And then some other ones who maybe they won't play as much. How, how are you feeling about this year's next star class as an overall um, and yeah, just talk a little bit on the program itself and how you feel like it's going from the league's point of view, because we have seen, you know, you've done an article on it. We've also seen, um, I think Mike Schmitz did the really interesting article where he was talking about the college route versus, um, so US college route versus uh, G League, and then also talking about the NBL. So there has been quite a bit of a spotlight on it. Can you talk about that overall as well? Yeah, it's gone through um, several different iterations already in its short history. You know, it's been a, uh, you know, an initiative that has to constantly keep moving and stay ahead of the times to attract these players. When we think of its initial premise and getting these, you know, American high school players over, um, that sort of route has sort of gone dead in the water a little bit more recently. 
uh, as you mentioned, with the additions of, you know, the G League Ignite and Overtime Elite and programs such as this that have tried to um, eat into, you know, what the NBL pounced on a few seasons ago, it's really made it a lot more difficult to get these US high school prospects over. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of challenges in terms of finding an equilibrium between, you know, getting, you know, a hyped up potential draft prospect and for a team perspective, getting someone who is able to uh, contribute on the floor and, and make sense from a win now standpoint, um, you know, whilst catering to a, a young player's, you know, particular demands or, or necessities for development. So I think that was quite a tricky line for all parties involved to sort of work out in that current, in, in that iteration of the Next Stars program. And as teams have worked out how to more appropriately utilize the program and get the most out of it from their standpoint, we've seen this shift. And this shift as it, it currently stands um, has moved towards a lot of these international prospects coming from all over. And whilst they are still young guys, they're not necessarily uh, draft and stash guys like a Justinian Jessup or even a, a Diddy Lazada. They are guys with a little bit more international experience and a little bit more age behind them. And I think that just gives teams a little bit more confidence that these are guys that can contribute. They know what they're getting into. Um, and, you know, they're able to, to really pigeonhole them into, uh, you know, the rotation without too many concerns about, you know, how they're going to adapt straight out of high school or, you know, their, their first time playing professional basketball. So I think from a team standpoint, it's probably having a bigger impact on the league and its talent pool than it did even when we were getting guys like LaMelo Ball in. Uh, I think in terms of the players, it makes a lot of sense as well because you have all these varying levels of play over in Europe and other continents and sometimes that is not the perfect situation for that player to either play or get the sufficient level of, you know, stimulus to improve their game. And mm. I think that's something that NBL has has proven itself over the past few years. It's a great pathway to the NBA. And having these guys from Europe, uh, from Asia as well, all over, and being able to come here and, and play a role and, and sort of use that as their stepping stone it makes a lot of sense for all parties involved. So they've done really well to to pivot the focus of the Next Stars program and and make sure it works and, and continues going forward. Because we saw last year was, uh, you know, the Josh Giddy sort of year where we had a couple of local guys, Mojave King, come through the program. But we're not going to have guys of that caliber come through Australia and New Zealand every year. Mm. And sometimes, you know, we had someone like that in Dyson Daniels this season and he decided to go to Ignite instead. So, you know, then have they have needed to be really flexible with this program and I think they did a really good job of um, figuring out a way to, to make it relevant and and that's really, you know, come to fruition and we we see more next stars than we've seen any other year, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's really, really good. So are there, are there, are there in terms of this year's class, um, yeah, how do you... How do you feel about those ones that, that you know? If we if we talk about the um, the recent draft board, and I think Leah Santa Maria tweet, tweeted about it, how do you feel about the top, you know, the sort of top few next stars that are in this year's, um, you know, due to be drafted uh, this year, if, if all going to plan? Um, how do you feel about them on their respective teams? 
Yeah, I mean, they're all sort of on the draft boards in some sense, whether that's top 60 or top 100 or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think ultimately we're only going to see like two or three of these guys drafted next year. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's Jam. just generally the maths on it. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, there's also a disparity between, uh, you know, a perception of draft stock and a perception of win now ability. Yes. And you look at, Usman Dieng, this is the guy out of all the next stars that probably has the most hype around him. Yeah. Is probably the most likely to go in the first round. And he probably isn't the guy that's going to contribute the most this season. Yes. He's pretty, yeah. pretty raw, pretty young. Yeah. Um, but it's just that um that fantasy archetype of this guy that's six nine, six ten, can handle the ball, shoot the ball, play as a guard. Um, and that has a lot of upside in the long term. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, I think Usman's going to show flashes and, and he's probably going to have some really good games and, and ultimately find himself in the first round. But that doesn't mean he's going to be the most productive. Um, yeah. I think that will probably come down to guys like Hugo Besson, another yeah. New Zealand breaker. I know he's not a next star officially, um, but for all intents and purposes, he is. Yeah. He's a guy, again, a little bit more experienced, um, but he's already a bucket and he's going to get plenty of big games. He's... Starting over an import in Jeremiah Martin right now, which you know speaks volumes to his ability. And beyond that, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I, at the start of the preseason, I probably would have said Nikita Mikhailovsky is a guy that's probably up there when you look at his resume yeah. um, of prior performance. But <laughs> he's he's barely played. We've mm. watched the NBL Blitz. Um, you know, he's getting like five minutes a game. We're not really seeing much of him. And that makes it really hard to assess, you know, what's going on here. Um, yeah. You know, the, the talent's clearly there. He's performed in other professional leagues. Um, but it's a big transition from Russia to Australia. And, you know, that, it, you know, bears stressing that, you know, it's, it's not easy for an 18, 19, 20-year-old to come from a very different culture and come over to Australia and adapt and, and play a new brand of basketball. Um so there's so many factors involved in the next star success. Mm. Um, whether we see Mikhailovsky, you know, turn the corner and win the favor of Scott Roth and, and eventually play, I guess that's yet to be seen. Um, but I think on, in terms of a talent basis, I would have had Mikhailovsky up there. I think Huck Porty over at Melbourne United has a chance to make a big impact as well. Um, and then, of course, he probably doesn't really count but Justinian Jessup um, coming back through the Next Stars program again this year, he's obviously much more experienced than everyone else and, and will likely be the most productive out of everyone. Yeah, that's really, really good, man. And I think an important correlation to draw, like um, there's probably, you know, the kids and the and the, the, the hardcore fans who think about the fun of the Next Stars. And, and I think that obviously that's massive for the um, the commercial engagement of the league and, um, that star, you know, drawing the the star power and 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 really hooking those fans in, and then also teams that want to win are having to put the ball in the hands or not put in the ball in the hands of of the next star to to be able to to do that and how that person will perform. So that's obviously a balance the league's finding. Um, interesting to see how guys like you know, Harvey King go and and, and what's what you know, what sort of burn they get this year, and yeah, it makes it makes it really really interesting. Um, the Jack Jumpers obviously a new, brand new franchise this year. Um, they're 
they haven't had a massive amount of uh, of sort of hype around their roster, and um, yeah, it's it's obviously early days. Um, they did get a win in their first game, which is great. Um, how do you how do you think that they'll perform this year in terms of competitiveness, and then and and then just their overall roster? I think the first thing that needs to be said, um, you know, there's no beating around the bush. It's not a strong roster on paper, and you know that's been well discussed. Um, you know, early early on in the free agency period, you know, we, we saw these initial signings of guys like Jared Verso, Sam McDaniel, um, Fabian Krislovich, guys like this. And I think people sort of went, look, if, if these are the, you know, the guys you're getting from the outset and, and building the club around, then it doesn't really speak, you know, too highly to the ceiling of this team, at least initially. Um, so on paper, it's very easy to look at them and, and be pretty dissuaded and discouraged by, you know, the, the roster they've put together. Um, but I do think they have redeemed themselves with, you know, some really great import pickups. I think Josh Majet and Josh Adams are a great backcourt tandem. They're going to be able to carry this team to some to some wins. They have a lot of firepower between them. And, you know, when you consider that they do have some other solid pieces, obviously we, we hope Mikhailovsky plays eventually and, and is able to make an impact and, Macintosh is another import that will will be able to contribute at the the four position. Um, it's a team that has enough to win on a good day, and may, maybe this is a bit reactionary for me to be speaking straight after we see the Jack Jumpers win their first game. You know, maybe trying to eat my words before uh, you know we, we get too far into it. But um, you know, they they do have something there, and I think it it. There's something to be said for the fact that these guys are hardworking guys. Um, you know, they know their role. And you look at Scott Roth, he's come from the Perth Wildcats. And, you know, they're a team that, you know, play bigger than the sum of their parts. And that's what Tassie's going to have to come over and do as well if they're going to get any wins on the board this season. These guys need to play hard. They need to overachieve. And they need to play a gritty, grimy brand of basketball. Um, you know, I'd, I don't think it's going to get them very far. And, you know, especially without, you know, X factors like Mikhailovsky being part of the equation, they're just not going to have enough firepower on most nights. But I do think they have enough to, <laughs> and this is a low bar, I know, but, you know, to, to fight beyond, you know, that last place finish. And, um, you know, I, th- I think there's a chance they could have a more successful season than Cairns. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe even do a lead, even a little bit better than that. But I think it would be wild to expect them, you know, to be anything close to, to a finals appearance this season. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, in terms of this season, uh, just beginning and a little bit of player movement this year, who are you most looking forward to watching uh, in terms of uh, New Zealand players? Not so, not just the breakers, but uh, any players that um, yeah come from New Zealand? Yeah, I, I guess the first uh, place you go to is the Breakers, right? And, you know, they do have a few few locals that I'm really excited to watch. Um, Finn Delaney, off the top of my head, must be the most elite, you know, New Zealand player that's, you know, floating around in the league right now. And everyone's waiting to see whether he'll make yet another jump. I think that's been the exciting thing with Finn is that he's improved every single year he's in the league. And um, while the Breakers have many different options... I think he's in a position to really step up and uh, carve his name as one of the elite locals in the league. Um, so Finn's going to be really fun to watch. 
And, you know, they picked up Yanni Wetzel this offseason as well. Big, now, big he had, he had, he's, he's great, isn't he? And he had a really great season with South East Melbourne last season. Um, and he's only going to build on that uh, this season with New Zealand. I think they're pretty thin in the front court. They don't have a lot of options. And they're going to rely on Yanni to be big time down low. The league's yeah. gone pretty big this season. Yanni's not massive. He's 6'10 or so. But he's really skilled. And in a couple of those blitz games, I came away thinking, this guy's New Zealand's most impactful player. Yeah. So I, th- I think those guys are going to be really interesting to watch for New Zealand. Beyond that, um, Kiwis floating around the league. I don't know how much they're going to play, but I'm really excited to see guys like Dion Prewster and Tane Samuel getting yeah. roster spots in the league. It's it's a really big uh, moment for them. And if they're able to make the most of it, um, you know, it, it means a lot for basketball in New Zealand because these are guys that had exceptional seasons in the NZNBL, um, you know, really took a meaningful step up in their own games. And they've been rewarded for it, which is really nice to see. Yeah. Um, you know, these are guys that, you know, for Tane, he started shooting the three ball at a much higher rate. Um, you know, is looking to uh, get back to, you know, the player and the shape that he was, you know, many seasons prior. And he's super talented. You know, I was an advocate for him getting on a roster this season, um, obviously still just sneaking into the DP category in terms of age. Um, but the upside's there. This is a guy with NBL talent. And if he's able to get blooded through the right NBL program, hopefully, you know, Brisbane is that spot for him. Um and he can get in the right shape and, and maximize his abilities. This is a guy that can carve out a real career for himself in the NBL. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Dion Prewster, been out of the NBL for a number of seasons now, but he absolutely lit the league up in the off season, the, the NZ NBL. You know, it was was incredible on both ends of the floor. You know, just despite an aging body, he's um, playing the best basketball of his career. So it was really encouraging to see that that got rewarded, you know, with a spot with Melbourne United. I don't know if he's going to play a whole lot, but it was absolutely deserved. And I think he's going to be some really good insurance for them come the season. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, good, um, good shout out there for two, uh, yeah, two local guys playing in my, you know, from my hometown of Wellington, the Wellington Saints. And good to see that even though the, the New Zealand NBL is of a lower quality, um, in the last season or two, you know, due to um, COVID and, and, and some salary restrictions that we still saw guys like Dane um, and Dion yeah, get picking up those spots. Um, Yanni and Finn, I mean, I can't say much more about those guys other than that they have really made name, massive names for themselves in the last year and probably talking about if you look at the future of the Tall Blacks and then of our elite players in New Zealand, there's two guys that are, um, you know, Europe, you know, decent players in Europe probably, and and maybe even one day you'd see one or two of them being fringe players, even maybe making it all the way to the NBA. So great that the Breakers were able to 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 um, secure fin services again, and then awesome, also really awesome that they were able to bring Yanni in and uh, strengthen that back line. Um, so looking at um, the next next question we have there is, in terms of imports this year, who are the top point guard imports? Obviously, uh, you know, most leagues around the world, you, you want to have a really strong point guard. Um, and most of the time, um, franchises go to, to getting that as an import. Um, who are the ones that you're really looking forward to see? 
Yeah, we, we spoke about this one before we started recording, and I had to flick through the um the rosters to try and figure out, you know, how do you sort through these guys? You know, we we know it's an import league, the NBL, and um in particular a point guard import league. You know, a great deal of success, you know, with those guys at that position, and there's just so many options that it's it's really hard to say. Um, we haven't seen a lot of this guy. Up to this point, he played in the, the Blitz a little bit, but, you know, most of these observations are based on guys' prior resumes and, uh, you know, accomplishments up to this point. I'm going to say the guy I'm looking forward to the most is Jalen Adams of the Sydney Kings. Um, he's played under Coach Buford before at the Wisconsin Herd. He has a really good G League pedigree, um, and he's, he's super exciting, really athletic, can shoot the three ball, do a bit of everything offensively. And for all of the talent that the Sydney Kings have, he's really going to be the engine that brings it all together. So really looking forward to seeing Jalen Adams. Um, of the other new guys that are coming in, Xavier Mumford um, with South East Melbourne, he's a guy, he may not be the flashiest player to come in. He may not put up the gaudiest stats, but I think South East Melbourne have really struck gold with him just because he's the perfect fit for this team. Uh, he's got the size to play at the one or the two. He can drive in, but he can also shoot the three. And, um, you know, he, it's just a perfect compliment. You know, if they're trying to go a little bit uh, smaller and, and run with Cole Adnam at the point, then you can play a guy like Munford with him. Um, you can play him at the point as the main point of attack, so in a guy offensively. He, he's just so versatile, and uh, I think that's going to be a major impact signing for Southeast Melbourne. As you go down... Um, Scott Machado is someone who I find it sort of hard to peg down right now. I mean, we we saw after his first season that this guy, you know, has oodles of talent. He's, you know, NBA pedigree and, you know, it was a big reason Cairns did as well as they did um, when he first came in. But I think he also needs the right fit. And, you know, we saw an incredible balance between him, DJ Newble and Cam Oliver um, two seasons ago. And that dynamic wasn't there last season. They had to go down and import. And while the pick and roll combo with Cam Oliver, you know, worked to great success still, I think, uh, you know, he got miscast as a number one offensive option. And, it, you know, his game struggled for it. He needed another complementary piece on the wing to, to sort of help create some shots and, and provide some, some someone for him to pass to, essentially. And... Um, I don't think he has that again this season. You know, Cairns do not have a strong roster. They don't have many complementary offensive pieces. And Scott Machado is going to be great, but I do think he's going to struggle just because he's being miscast a little bit again this season. Uh, the other import point guards that are in the league this season, Josh Majette at Tassie. We spoke about Tassie a little bit earlier. Um, you know, he's a pass-first guy. In many respects, has a lot of parallels to... Uh, Scott Machado, um, you know, he's a guy that can score, can shoot, not super athletic, but, you know, he's going to make the guys around him better. Um, you know, for a team like Tassie, I think that's a really great fit because they need his shooting. Um, he's going to be a great pick and roll combo with Will Magne, who's, you know, going to be put in a in better position to succeed this season. Um, so that's going to be a really good fit. And I think Majette's going to have a really good season. Um and then the last two guys, it, it's kind of crazy that I've put him down this far, but I'm, I've got Peyton Seaver, um, a guy with 
really strong credentials, obviously had a great career in Europe up to this point. And I do think he's going to have a really great season. But he was particularly quiet in, in the preseason, didn't do a whole lot. And it just made me a little bit wary, only in the sense that undersized point guards, especially on the wrong side of 30, can go downhill pretty quickly. You know, if you lose that first step, you lose that edge, um, that can be the point of difference. And, I, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think he's still going to have a really good season. Um, but we need to see a little bit more from him from based on what we've seen so far. So I've, the jury is still out for me a little bit on Peyton Seaver, but still really excited to watch him play. You know, he's, um, his history speaks for itself. And then the last guy in terms of imports is Xavier Ruthann Mays. Um, I was looking at the Illawarra Hawks. I was like, do you consider Tyler Harvey a point or a two? I'm considering him a two this season, and I think that's a very deliberate move on behalf of the Hawks. He, Harvey may start at the one, and if he is, you know, we know what Tyler Harvey is. He's an a, you know, incredible scorer at this level of play. Um, but I think they wanted to push him off the ball a little bit more, um, utilize that off-ball scoring and shooting, um, and really get him into a position to succeed without the responsibility of getting others involved. And I think that's where Rathan Mayers comes in. He's not you know, going to be an elite point guard in this league, um, but he is going to be a, a really fun offensive injection who um, gives them another ball handler, alleviates that pressure offensively from Tyler Harvey a little bit more, um, and he's going to go get some buckets in his own right, whether that's starting or coming off the bench. So overall, a, a really good crop of uh, import point guards this season. Obviously, you've got some locals like Daly coming back, Mitch Norton at Perth, and uh, it looks like Nathan Sobey's going to start at the point for Brisbane again this season. So plenty of talent at the position. Um, but, yeah, that's how I see it in terms of the import crop. Yeah, I like it, man. Some, some good astute breakdown there on those on those import point guards. Um, what, what the league has done, the NBL's done a really good job of is embracing those next stars, but also bringing in international players that... Um, are from quite diverse backgrounds and, and not only does that help the league but that also helps um, you know obviously by getting players from those different um, ethnicities and, and backgrounds into the Australian league then it also helps the basketball back in those countries too. In terms of the two big name Chinese imports um, what roles do you see um, those players playing on their respective teams this year? Yeah I think uh, the two guys, you know, obviously we're talking about here. We've got Liu um, with, the, with, the, with the Brisbane Bullets and we've got Joe Chi with South East Melbourne That's Phoenix. Um, you know, it's very easy to sort of lump them into being similar players because they're both massive. Um, you know, they're both these big lumbering centres, but they're totally different in terms of the calibre of their ability right now. Um, Joe Chi, you know, he, his reputation speaks for himself. He's a guy that was drafted into the NBA. He played with the Houston Rockets. And um, though that wasn't to be in the long term, you know, he came back to the CBA and has been one of China's best players, um, you know, so long that he's been a senior representative. So Joe Chi is super talented. He's a bona fide starter. He's probably going to be one of the best centers in the league this season. Um, I think he's listed at maybe 7-2, really long wingspan. Um but he's someone who's not necessarily a stiff. He moves pretty well. Um, he's finishing around the rim really well. He is obviously going to be a big rim deterrent on the defensive end. 
and he has pretty good hands and flashes of shooting the ball as well. So he's going to be a perfect fit with Southeast Melbourne. They got a lot of shooting surrounding him, you know, a few different penetrators as well. And he's just going to play that role to perfection. And I think he's going to have a massive season and a massive impact for them. Um, on the other hand, you've got Leo Brisbane. And he's almost a little bit too tall. He's seven foot five. Yeah. And, um, you know, while that's quite exciting and, you know, he's going to be uh, easy to come by for highlights when he is in the game, um, just, at, you know, out of sheer novelty of having a guy at this size, it really is unprecedented for the NBL. Um, and, you know, there there is some value to be had in that, you know, situationally you can chuck him in and he's going to be able to finish around the rim and, you know, um, you know, come, come in and provide a bit of a spark, a la, you know, maybe a Nate Jawai off the bench like Cairns does. You know, you can throw it into him and, and really focus on him in short spurts and, and get some buckets. Um, but the reality is at that, that size, he's pretty cumbersome. And he's someone that we've seen already. He's just going to get targeted and attacked in pick and roll coverages. He, um, you know, he's not particularly fast. And the NBL is a pretty quick pace. So it'll be interesting to see how he's able to adapt and whether he's able to contribute. Um, just judging by the box score tonight, it looked like he only played four or five minutes for Brisbane. So he may not be part of the regular rotation or a big part of their plans. Um, but I do think he has something to give. And, you know, he's got pretty good touch. Uh, he's still pretty young and developing as well. And I think the best way to, to look at him overall, it's kind of like the taco fall of the NBL. And, um, you know, everyone loves Taco. He's not a, uh, you know, a big-time player in the NBA, but he's a lot of fun. And Leo is going to be a lot of fun for Brisbane as well when he checks onto the court. So it really is um, lovely to have him in the league, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes when he hits the floor. Yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate that one, man. Um, so Melbourne United, um, obviously one of the most, um, you know, dominant um forces in terms of teams in the NBL over the last few years. Why do they only have one import this season? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, the same question could have been asked last season. Their only import was Scotty Hobson last season. And he wasn't someone that played a massive role for Melbourne, um, particularly in the first half of the season. He was sort of struggling to find his way in the rotation. And it was only towards the back end that he really came on, but still only as a role player. And, you know, as we know, import-driven league, very surprising to see a team lean so little on their import spots. Um, but Melbourne's team last season was an anomaly. We knew they were stacked on paper. They had a lot of local talent. Jock Landale, you know, coming in late in the piece and being able to be signed, he's effectively like getting a high-end import. So they were able to account for only having one import and they're able to obviously succeed um, and, you know, win, win the championship as a result of that. That being said, does that same formula of only having one import work when you're, you're downgrading the rest of the roster this season? Um, you know, Melbourne still have a good roster, don't get me wrong. Um, Matthew Dallavadovia, obviously a big um, addition to the team this offseason. Um, but, you know, you do lose a guy like Jock Landau. They've lost some other pieces you don't know how Jack White's going to come back and recover from his injury. And when I look at the signing of Caleb Agada, I can't help but think that they're signing Caleb to be the guy. If you're signing one import, you know, you've you got to be expecting the world of them. And while I think Caleb Agada is a great player, um, you know, he's, he's shown that with his performances 
in his warm-up game for Nigeria against the USA. Um, you know, he's had a good summer league and, and different experiences overseas. Um, but is this guy like a, a tier one import in the league? Perhaps not. It's just really big shoes to fill, a lot of responsibility. And, you know, maybe good isn't going to cut it. Maybe he has to be elite. Um, and whether that's um, within his capacity is yet to be seen. He, he did have a pretty modest preseason, showed great flashes, no doubt. Um, but I just think United have some, you know, a, a lot of responsibility placed on that import position. And by all accounts, they turned down some really high-end, uh, high-profile players with that import spot to go with the Garda. And they, they must have exceptional um, expectations for him this season. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good breakdown there. Always interesting to see, um, you know, what the how the media perceives certain teams when they when they go into the season. And yeah, maybe there's someone there that that we don't expect it to maybe will take a big jump this year. So yeah, really um, good breakdown there. And um, obviously, we're only a day or two away from seeing their first game. Which, um, in terms of development players, DPs signed this year. Which development players could play uh, roles this season for their respective teams? This is a great question because, you know, the DP positions were effectively, you know, a throwaway um, in prior seasons, but we saw that change last season. You know, we saw guys come in and actually, you know, become part of the regular rotation under DP spots. Um, Isaiah Liafa was a great example of that last season for Southeast Melbourne. Um, You also had for Melbourne, Mason Peatland come in and, and provide some big minutes as well. So, it's a good question who, you know, is going to be able to step in as a DP and contribute some good minutes this season. Um, one of the first guys that comes to mind for me is Jock Perry for Tasmania. Now, he may not be the most talented development player to have been signed throughout the off-season period, but I look at Tassie's roster and in a, in a league that's gone really big, Tassie is still really small. You've got Magne as, you know, like a 4-5 tweener and he's playing the 5. He's about 6-10 and yeah. that's all well and good. But their next biggest guy is like Jared Bairstow. He's like 6-7. Um, you know, they really don't have a traditional backup center. That's where Jock Perry comes in. Jock Perry is 7-1. He can shoot the 3 and score at a really high level. And Tazzy will probably lean on him at points, especially when other teams are going to bring in bigger lineups. Um, you want a guy that's going to be able to match that. And Jock's, you know, going to be able to match them up physically and also stretch those big guys out on the perimeter. And um, while he didn't play a whole lot tonight, I do think his time's going to come this season. It's going to be a really valuable piece for Tassie going forward. Uh, and another big guy with a DP spot I think can contribute is Sam Timmons. Um, you would have seen a lot of Sam, you yeah. know, this season in the NZNBL and, he had a massive year. Now, I don't know that the minutes are going to be there for for him with the New Zealand breakers. Obviously, there's Yanni Wetzel and Rob Lowe ahead of him in the depth chart, and Kyron Galloway may even play some five as well. Um, but I think we saw, obviously, a dominant NZ NBL season, and then he carried that over and had some good performances in the Blitz as well, um, particularly offensively. You know, he, he's taken a big step up in skill and had some big finishes around the rim. I think he's a future NBL piece, and I think that when he gets that opportunity to step on the floor, he's going to be able to contribute really nicely. Um, the last guy that came to mind for me is Corey Sherville for the Perth Wildcats. 
this is a guy who, um, you know, didn't play a lot in college, was like a D2 um, sort of guy. But then he came over to Perth last preseason and he really lit it up. He came in super assertive, um, you know, showed his flair for scoring the ball. And um, when his name was called, he was able to step in and provide valuable minutes for Perth. So now coming into his second season, you sort of look at Perth's wing depth and um, with Luke Travers probably sliding up to the four a fair bit, um, Corey Sherwell could effectively be the backup three for this team. Now, Blanchfield has his injury issues at times as well. Malcolm Fraser isn't playing tonight. Um, you know, their depth is going to be challenged at times. And I think Sherville's going to be that guy that they lean upon to to really step up and provide some good minutes. So I think he's the the other guy that I would highlight as a, you know, a potential um, producer from the development player position. Yep, that's brilliant, man. So we've just got one last question here before we close the pot out. Is there an under-the-radar under team that you think could make a good playoff run this year? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I need to preface it by saying who I think are probably the, the shoe-ins or you know the most likely guys to make the top four or so. And I think that would be South East Melbourne, Perth, Sydney and Illawarra. Um, beyond that, I think there's a few teams on the fringe. I think Melbourne United um, you know, are well and truly in that race. I think Adelaide are well and truly in that race. I think they have some really good local talent and some really solid role-playing imports as well. Um, but the team that I wanted to highlight is the New Zealand Breakers. Um, they, they always feel like a little bit of a dark horse um, just because they always seem, you know, so up and down, a pretty tumultuous group um, that have yet to sort of put it together and have a consistently successful season over the last few years. But you look at their roster and, um, you know, the, the talent is immense. You know, they're really deep in the backcourt with Peyton Seaver, um, Jeremiah Martin, Hugo Besson. You know, having three import guards is is massive in this league. And you've got Will McDowell-White um, rounding out that rotation as well. Um, then you've got Usman Dieng as well. You know, we know the hype around him. If he has a good season, you know, the breakers are just going to be loaded. Um, and while they are a little bit thin in the front court, they still have Finn Delaney and Yanni Wetzel, who we spoke about earlier, and those guys are going to be in store for a big season. So if things all turn the right way for New Zealand, I think the upside is really high. And I think they could, you know, potentially beat any team on any given night and, you know, be a dark horse for, for finals, you know, with a potential championship aspirations if it all sort of clicks for them as the season goes on. Yeah, that's brilliant, man. Um yeah, I'm interested to see how the breakers go this year, I feel like. Um, with the combination of players they have and, and like health is obviously a little bit of COVID to start off with, but you know, that'll be over soon. Um, in terms of the I think just bad luck. I think their health combined with the roster means that they have a pretty good chance to, to make a run this year. Um, we're gonna close this pot out. Really appreciate you jumping on, Mike, um, previewing what I think is going to be a really fascinating season. Uh, we have 10 teams now, obviously a new team, um, probably some teams that aren't going to be as great, but then also I think some really going to be some really competitive games and then some interesting young names that we uh, chatted on with the next stars. So, yeah, as usual, uh, appreciate all the things you do to uh, help our Kiwi players. Um, got lots of interesting things happening in the next 12 months outside of the NBL in terms of 
um, hopefully a return for international hoops with um, tall blacks and, and boomers and then um, yeah New Zealanders and Australians in the NCAA and um, hopefully a return to a bit of normality with uh, high school play as well so appreciate um, yeah the part you play in the scene and, and jumping on the pod again and enjoy the NBL season. No worries, Stevie. As always, I appreciate coming on and uh, being part of the Baseline podcast and appreciate your support as well with all my work. So thanks for having me on. All good. Thanks, man.